Hi, and welcome to the Green with Tiffany podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Page. And in this show, we'll explore topics of sustainable living, all aspects of health and wellness of people and planet, and how we're all interconnected. Join us on this journey to live better and more sustainably by improving our health, our families, and the world with the choices that we make. Hi everyone, I'm Tiffany Page of Green with Tiffany, and today we're in North Hollywood, California with eco-conscious fashion designer, Deborah Lindquist. Deborah, I'm Hi. so excited <laughs> to be here. Thank I'm so you. excited to see you. Thank you so much for having us. Of and course. I love being and seeing all where all the magic is created. Mm -hmm. You've been doing this for so long, 35 years. I guess it's 38 this 38 year. 38 years? Yes. Wow. I know. Now sustainable fashion, eco-fashion, eco-conscious fashion, all the different names that they call it. You know, it's becoming a little more mainstream. Mm -hmm. A lot of the brands that were not doing it that way before are now trying to do it or yes. doing a line of it. What made you start doing it and how did you stay true to it all these years? I know, crazy, right? Before there was a name for it all. I think that, you know, I was just always interested in taking things apart and reassembling them. I grew up on a farm. I didn't have a lot of materials to, to glean from. My grandmother was a professional seamstress, so sometimes I would get fabrics from her. Or I would just, you know, find something in the store that I'd take apart and, and reformulate. I also had an attic full of handmade clothing from the Victorian era. So that was really, really exciting to me. Um, once I found them all, it's like we had trunks full of things, all hand embroidered and hand stitched. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So kind of like necessity is the mother of invention. Kind of, you know. And then I started sewing on my mom's treadle machine when I was five because I wanted to make things. <laughs> five? Five, yeah. Oh my gosh. But I it wasn't electric, so it was safe. <laughs> I can still barely do a button, so that's uh, <laughs> that's very impressive at five. This sweater, I mean, is a perfect example. This is uh, the uh, reincarnated mm -hmm. vintage, almost, yes. uh, you know, cashmere. And you've got these beautiful appliques. When you think of designs, do you find the fabric first and then think, okay, what can I do with this? Or do you have an idea for design mm -hmm. and then you have to go and look for the fabric? It happens both ways, mm -hmm. but with cashmere, when I found cashmere, I found it at a, um, like a swap meet. I saw, found this big pile. Oh, and I, I thought, well, this is great fabric if I could do something with it because they had holes in them, you know, and that's why people get rid of cashmere is because moths. I have some of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go to, um, People who deal with, um, you know, like rag houses and that kind of thing. People who deal with vintage fabrics. And I pick out the best ones for myself. Like, probably that had a hole right up there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> gone! <laughs> <It's> gone. <laughs> so that's how the appliques were born. They were born to, you know, they are invented to actually cover up problems. Girls in California like to show a lot of skin. That needs just cr uh, chop off the arms. And then I created something that I was calling arm socks. Before I turned them into finger lift gloves with the thumbhole it was just like an arm sock and um you know put a couple of big appliques on them and at first you know the stores were like well these are cool but who else has them maybe I'll try one I'm like seriously one <laughs> and then that would sell and then they'd buy more and more and pretty soon I had um 400 stores I was dealing with all over the world and we were doing custom-made sweaters for all of these people so it was very fast and furious there for a while it's all hand you know, constructed. And that's really something about my line. It's, you know, I have, I guess, this uh, ancestry of, you know, my family making clothes from the Victorian era. I guess it was passed on to me in some way. So mm -hmm. unique, so one of a kind. Mm -hmm. So you really feel like it's, you know, very couture. And you even have, I don't know if you can grab that 
that little sweater. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is a little doggy sweater in cashmere. Isn't that amazing? It's so cute. So this one, thank you so much. You're welcome. Deborah has gifted this to my little Lilliput. I can't wait. Today's a perfect day to wear it. What are you working on now? Like, what's your, your mm -hmm. big line? One of my stores in New York um, wanted denim masks with my appliques on them. So I'm like, denim, really? Okay. Um, have to be something that is not so heavy, not a Levi 501 weight, but something a little lighter because you're wearing it on your face. Sure. Going out to try to find it, I had, you know, I had some denim that I had been working with, but I didn't want to cut up all my own jeans. <laughs> I had to call my rag finder guy, who I get cashmere from. I said, hey, do you have um, like maybe a mixed, a mixed group of denim that is, you know, different weights? He goes, yes, but you'd have to buy the whole bale. What is a bale exactly? It's a thousand pounds. Okay. So <laughs> what they do is they put it in this machine, they compress it down, they wrap it up with these metal ties, and it's about maybe, you know, a cube this tall. It was big enough so that we barely got it into our van. And I made masks, but I still have probably 900 pounds of it left, you know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, masks, you know. <laughs> Very little. I mean, I probably have more than that. Right. I started putting together, um, you know, pieces in a, in a way that I like. I'm not really a fan of patchwork. I've done jeans and jackets, and then I'm doing some handbags. I'm planning to do a, a class on, um, you know, teaching craftsmanship and that kind of thing, sustainability. Um, it'll probably first be focused on denim. Is sustainability something that is in the day-to-day -day, uh, teachings, or is that something that you're just bringing to it? I think it depends on the school. Mm -hmm. You know, some schools will teach it, some some won't. It really depends. I mean, if you're talking about a fashion school, um, I was hearing from some of the interns that I was hosting that no, it really wasn't. It was more of an elective. One of the designers who is amazing, um, Maya Reynolds, who has a uh, line called Clay for Men. She came to me as an intern from Otis, and um, she wanted to work for me because <clears throat> because it wasn't being taught in school at that time. Because of her own desire to learn it, she came to me, and then we we were kind of in the midst of doing a lot of cashmere. So everything is very, you know, you think of art, you think of silhouettes really when it comes to um, the appliques because you have mm -hmm. to really simplify the idea. I do really complicated things like that. A bluebird of happiness or something that's you know floral or something simple like um i mean we thought that the skulls were really complicated when we first <laughs> did them but then you know we've cut out thousands of them i didn't even think of it as i'm mm -hmm. looking at the applique somehow it came to mind that you found an applique in this design and just added it almost mm -hmm. like a patch right but these are originals yes oh wow mm -hmm. okay that is complicated <laughs> yeah i mean i draw them and then you know i have paper patterns that i have in a book that you know we go back to time and time again mm -hmm. oh my gosh well it's all hand cut all hand sewn it feels so luxurious I it is it. pretty great so, <laughs> so at Parsons, where you studied, mm -hmm. do you know if they're doing any kind of sustainability courses? Now that everybody has to do change their methods and try to figure out how to become more sustainable, it's always been about, you know, volume production and and all that. It's like let's make a lot of money at this. And and when it comes to actually having to recycle something or find sustainable fabrics that can be very expensive. Well, what do you think then of the? larger companies, I won't give any names, but mm -hmm. you know, they're doing fast fashion. Right. And then within all of that, they'll do one conscious line or yes. something. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know what I think of that. I appreciate them trying, mm -hmm. but I don't, you know, I, I like to support 
people that are doing it right from the start. Right. You know, it's true to their mm -hmm. heart to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes get pushed back from people on that, not letting people or companies get a chance. Right. But that's just who I am. <laughs> well, some of them have been held up to being, you know, mass gross polluters. They say the top four that are um, also slave, you know, slave labor and sweatshop and, you know, beneath human dignity kind of work. It's harder for those, those companies, the bigger companies, because they already have all their way of working all, you know, very organized and as corporations, they have it all dialed in. Now to throw something at them saying, well, you have to do it a different way. It's much harder. It's much easier for me. Sure. You know, like with the pandemic, I had to make masks. Um, I was sewing them myself, <laughs> you know, I was, I was and they're there. so super cute. Oh, I'll have to show you. some of them. I mean, I don't mind sewing. I'm good at it, but I don't like it so much. But it's a rectangle or it's a, you know, another shape. Yeah. Well, they're great. Just figure it out. You know, I think it's easier for me, in other words, you know, than a bigger company. But I think that bigger companies really have to make an effort to, to make it better. Um, because it's gone, it went the other direction for so long. I mean, after 2008, everything went fast fashion. And now we see how bad it got. I do say that most everything I buy, even if it was before with fast fashion, although the nicer, more quality pieces tend to last long. I don't get rid of things. In fact, I had a girlfriend that came over to her house and by the door was a bag of clothes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what are you doing with those? She almost threw them away. Mm. I said, in the trash throw away? And yeah. she said, yeah. I said, why don't you at least call like a donation or drop it off? I don't have time. So I said, well, I'll take it. Yeah. And so there was some cashmere in there. She could have done something. <laughs> But I ended up wearing one of the uh, satin dresses to uh, an event on the mm -hmm. carpet where I was interviewing people. Oh, and I, wow. You know, and I was complimenting people on their dress and they were complimenting people on mine. I thought, well, I got this out of the trash. Yes. <laughs> I like rescuing things. So, yeah, you feel you good. Know, I rescue kimonos and saris and all kinds of things. Dead stock fabric, too, which is kind of another rescue. I've used mm -hmm. dead stock since the beginning because I'm working smaller quantities anyway. Um, so that's easy, but now I've been doing more of it, like in the blouses and things like these pants that I'm wearing. Those are fantastic. Thank I can't you. Wait to show those. <laughs> Thank you. So for people who don't know, what is dead stock? Dead stock is leftover rolls of fabric from production. So let's say a company bought, had to buy, you know, a thousand yards of fabric and they have 200 leftover. Instead of dumping it into the trash, they sell it to, um, you know, a company that would then sell it to people like me. And why would they dump it in the trash versus holding on to something down the line where they could use it for something later? Well, I guess if you're a volume operation, maybe you don't have room to store it. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to do with an extra 200 yards of fabric that you didn't use? So you have to figure out your production then, and if you're going to cut all of it and then dump the clothes, what's the difference between dumping the clothes and then dumping the fabric? Um, right. <laughs> at least if it's in a roll, somebody like me or another um, independent designer can use it. So that's what these pants are? That's yeah, and then it also becomes like a capsule collection of limited edition. So you have to buy it now. You can't buy it later because I don't have any more. <laughs> Get it now. Get it while it's hot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite, I don't know, piece or a collection that you've done in the past? You know, I have a real love for my cashmere because it, um, it actually is what if there's any kind of fame here, you know, it was probably that um, because of the people who wore some of my sweaters like Sharon Stone and then, mm -hmm. you know, um, Jessica Alba, all kinds of people. But then there's bustiers, which I have been called um, like I've, I have a thing for bustiers. And it kind of started in the 80s when I first moved here. I, um, I was working with this store called Baba that was on Venice Boulevard. And um, she's actually the person who introduced me to 
a certain type of um, vintage fabric, curtain fabrics. Okay. I started making jackets out of curtain fabrics, and then I was turning those fabrics to smaller pieces and making them into bustiers. So there was this whole, you know, wonderful shape that happens with bustiers, and um, and that's something that I still do today. So I've dressed pink, and um, you know, Christina Aguilera and Charlize Theron, and some of these other people for when I was uh, designing for Pussycat Dolls, the burlesque troupe. Yeah. And, you know, red carpet stuff, it's turned into um, that whole idea, turned into wedding dresses. I figured in any economy, people will get married. And when we were really um, going through that period between 2008 and and now, well, who knows where we are right now. But, you know, when people everybody still getting married. I know, people were still getting married. I figured in any economy, people will get married. Maybe they'll buy a sustainable wedding dress. So... Um, For sure. I went to a Zoom wedding a couple weeks ago. And there uh, was a, in, in a live, in-person wedding that I didn't go to uh -huh. a week ago. So it's happening. They're being done all kinds of different ways. And, mm -hmm. So you've got the cashmere. You've mm -hmm. got the denim. You've denim. got uh, bustiers. You've mm -hmm. got wedding dresses. Mm -hmm. You've got accessories. Yeah. You've got a home line. The home line kind of came from leftover pieces of cashmere. That <laughs> like, why don't I make pillows for my house? And then that became a thing. I was working with um, uh, like an interior designer. I was doing monogram pillows for her, which were really popular. Or something that's just a square, like Joseph Albers' homage to the square. You mm -hmm. know, I take the really little pieces, and then I make things like matchboxes or I make cards. When I'm working uh, with interns, I start them out by having them do something really small. It's like, okay, we're going to make a sweater on a card. And then it kind of, it's sort of like that um, wax on, wax off karate kid thing. <laughs> they don't even realize what they're learning. <laughs> they're like, what are we doing? So you're just making really cute sweaters on cards. And then it becomes like a journalist gift or something like that if I'm doing a, you know, like a press event. And oh, then, great. you know, people start collecting them. Oh, I have all your cards there. I framed them all. So then they learn really, you know, technical skills in a small way that looks like playtime. And so that then when we do something that's really complicated and an actual, it. you know, a piece of clothing, they already know how to do all this. So it's kind of a tricky way of teaching yeah. things, <laughs> which I'll use in my class, actually. That's great. <laughs> uh huh. So you have a, a little bit of a nickname, the Green Queen. Yes. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm green with Tiffany, so yes. I, I like that the green is still there. Um, and you've now parlayed that into another line. So mm -hmm. you've got your basic, your lifestyle active line. I thought that what would be nice is to, well, because Green Queen was my nickname, I thought, well, what if I do some t-shirts? And then that could be worn with everything that I do, because I think that people wear something maybe more special with a basic t-shirt. Sure. So let's do a sustainable t-shirt. I did um, organic cotton and then Modal was kind of my thing. And I worked with hemp a little bit too in that in that line. But basic wasn't something that people kind of really wanted from me. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. Well, you're known like, the high end I know. Picture. It's like, no, you have to do something really complicated with it. It's like, <laughs> great. All right, so then I started slashing them and crocheting them. Um, we shot, did some photo shoots underwater that um, Coco Eco just published. I used to teach yoga part-time throughout this whole thing <laughs> and um, so I really fell in love with yoga and I really fell in love with the idea of cat suits and leggings and things like that too that I then started to crochet. So it's turned into more of an afterward dance line 
And um, t-shirts, yes, you know, I sell a few of them, but I really sell more of my special pieces than anything else. But I still love my Modal soft t-shirts because they're just comfortable. It's the best mm -hmm. material for people Isn't that nice? don't know, Modal is? It's a beechwood fabric, um, kind of created like rayon. Um, it's just beechwood is a very fast growing tree. So um, when it's harvested for fabric, it's just you're taking a um, natural product and turning it into synthetic. So that's done with chemicals. The production method is earth friendly, and so that's why I use it. And it's super soft. It's super soft. I'm actually taking some of my women's clothing um, fabrics and turning them into men's t-shirts. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yes, love that. And mm -hmm. so, and you really like using hemp. And hemp mm -hmm. now, for people that don't know, is legal to grow here. It was a it was a kind of a long hard battle for a while. I mm -hmm. know people that were fighting and lobbying to right. have hemp be legal to grow and now so it's probably a little more accessible now to use well the fabric is still created in china oh. or maybe turkey okay. so i mean we do have a f we can grow it here but then that needs to be shipped over to a place where it can be manufactured into textiles mm -hmm. um i mean we had a textile manufacturing industry here for many years you know but um kind of got moved over maybe it'll come back that would be great and create a textile industry around you know sustainable fabrics again Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned when you were talking about your crochet. So we'll show these leggings, but the crochet is something that you actually do? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I just slash it and then I loop it down. It's so yeah, cool. It is pretty cool. By looking at things, you I guess you really just don't necessarily know the detail that goes into them. The I know. Is the crochet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really have a special gift that you're able to do all of these yourself, which mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have that skill set. Actually, it's something that can be taught too, you know, and you can, not that I want to teach people how to knock me off. That's not I know, idea. right? <laughs> it's already <laughs> happened, you know, like good luck. Um, but at least, you know, it's teaching skills that then they can use in, in their own way. What has kept you going all this time, keeping true to mm -hmm. sustainable, you know, repurposed and, and the materials that you use? Well, I have to make a decision about fabric anyway. So I may as well make a decision about what I really, what my core values are. I want to rescue fabric from landfill. I want to, you know, use natural fibers as much as possible. I'm not a big fan of polyester, um, you know, microplastics and so on in the water. And mm -hmm. just for me personally, I know that it's vegan and so on, but it's not so great for for me, I really love to also rescue fabrics that I find really artistic, like maybe um, kimono fabrics or sari fabrics or something that had an incredible amount of handwork in it that is in a trunk someplace and smells like mothballs. <laughs> you know, I'll take it and turn it into, you know, a jacket or a bustier. I have decided that this is the path I'm going down and this is just where I'm going to be. And it, it ends up being better for me anyway because then it's a recognizable thing for, you know, for my brand. It's about core values. Thank you so much, Deborah, for sharing your story and for sharing your beautiful clothes and studio here. I am Tiffany Page of Green with Tiffany. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to me. You can find me at greenwithtiffany.com and on Instagram. Till next time, choose to care.